Hi, I'm Rach. And I'm Sue. And this is the Georgia Hair Podcast. And today we're talking about sprig muslin. Hi, Rach. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? Very well. Um, it is the 19th of December. So yesterday, uh, me and my family had early family Christmas, um, which means roast potatoes and pigs in blankets, which you know I'm slightly obsessed with. Um, so yeah, very happy. So you get to have the Christmas meal twice? Yes. Neither of which do I cook. It's it's perfect. Well, that sounds good. And do you do the whole thing? Like you'll do, you'll pretend it's Christmas Day, so like do the meal and do presents? Yep, yep, yep. Presents, meal, then some party games, or board games rather. Oh, so you, basically you have two full Christmas days. What more could you want? <laughs> Okay, I'm glad you said that because I was I felt like there was some judgment coming my way there that this wasn't appropriate um, behaviour for an adult. <laughs> no, that's no, all good. It sounds better than my couple of weeks, which has been illness and head lice. So you know you're oh, up on me. I'm sorry. Who had the head lice? Everyone apart from my partner, who is bald. So they they oh. would they have nowhere to hide there. <laughs> You'd be really unlucky if you got them in your eyebrows or something, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, I don't know whether that can happen, but oh goodness me, it's been a, it's been a couple of weeks, so it's been a couple of weeks. <sighs> you have my sympathies. Um, but before those rough two weeks, and since our last recording, we did get a weekend away together, didn't we? Oh yeah, I, has it been that long? Wow. Okay. Yeah, that was lovely, wasn't it? York. Yeah, we went to York. Um, did an escape room one. Uh, ate a lot, walked around the city wall. You nearly fell down some steps quite often. Um, but yeah, it was all good. It was. And I'm trying to... It, so it's not as um, Haya-ish as, as Bath, is it? But there is... I, I've got a feeling there are, no. there's a reference to York in a few Haya books. Definitely in Venetia, I think there's a reference to York. Mm. So, you know, it would have been a place where people went shopping and stuff, wouldn't it? Yeah, there may, maybe there was an assembly. Who knows? Um, so, shall we begin our Sprig Muslin episode with uh, a summary? You go for it. Okay. We begin the story with Sir Gareth Ludlow deciding to offer for his friend, Lady Hester Thiel, a woman he esteems but doesn't love. But then Amanda enters the scene, a beautiful girl with a head for military strategy and a skill for enlisting smitten men in her plots. When Gareth makes himself responsible for Amanda's safety, he ends up herring around the countryside, telling tall tales and getting shot. But since it throws him together with Lady Hester, it's probably all worth it. So, what did you think of Sprig Muslin, Rach? I enjoyed it. It's not going to be, you know, it's not one of my favourites, but um, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, a, it's a good romp, isn't it? It is. I, I felt it was very similar to Charity Girl, where we have Cherry Steen, Henrietta Silverdale and Viscount Desford. But I would say, I think I, mm, do I prefer it? I, I, I do like, I think I prefer um, Hester Thiel to Henrietta Silverdale because Hester Thiel is that much more vulnerable. I mean, we'll get on to that. But yeah, in terms of the plot, very similar. Yes, it was very much like Charity Girl. Um. So shall we begin by talking about our hero, Sir Gareth Ludlow? And 
he's a lovely hero, isn't he? Oh, he's got everything going for him. He's he's an all-round, yeah, an all-round good guy. Kids love him. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone loves him. I mean, even on that very first page, there's that lovely line where um, the children's nanny, I think, because uh, uh, mm. there's a line where it says, uh, he disengaged himself but long enough to offer his hand to Miss Felbridge, saying with a smile which never failed to set her heart fluttering in her chaste bosom, how do you do? Don't scold them. It's quite my fault. Though why should have this shocking effect upon them, I can't conceive. Be quite well again. You were suffering all the discomfort of a bad attack of rheumatism when we last met. And he's, you know, that, he's that level of kindness and attention to to other people's feelings. It's it's difficult yeah. to resist, isn't it? And he was he's very much loved by all of his nieces and nephews. He seems to have quite a few mm. of them. <laughs> um, and um, his sister and her and his brother-in-law, her husband, also adore him. So he's adored by all of his friends and family. Mm. Yeah, and you can see why, can't you? He's, he just knows exactly how to make himself likeable and he shows a genuine interest in people and he seems to care for them. Mm. But um, he's has not found love again mm. after his first love, oh, Clarissa. Yeah died yeah but do you not think that 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 little hint of tragedy in his past makes him even more attractive definitely definitely you can th- you can sort of see the, the young women of the time thinking oh, i'm i'm gonna be the one that mm. <laughs> that he um he falls for yes but he was the it sounded like he was the most desired man uh on the scene and she was the most desired young lady and they came mm. together in this glorious kind of golden engagement and then, yeah, tragedy struck because she was quite a willful character. And despite him forbidding her to uh, take out his greys, um, she did and came to a horrible end via an accident. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, very sad. The, there's a, yeah, there's a bit here about his, um, about how his, how his sister feels about it. Mm. So watching him as he contrived while displaying all over and over again for the edification of little Philip, the magical properties of his repeating watch, to lend an ear to particular problems exercising Lee's mind, Mrs. Weatherby thought that you'd be hard put to find a more attractive man, and wished, as she had done a thousand times before, that she could discover some bride for him lovely enough to drive out of his heart the memory of his dead love. Heaven knew that she had spared no pains during the seven years that had elapsed after Carissa's death to accomplish this end. She had introduced to his notice any number of eligible females, several of them as witty as they were beautiful, but she had never been able to detect in his grey eye so much as a flicker of the look that had warmed when they had rested on Clarissa Lincoln. So, yeah, tragic, really. And um, and she, and despite all of her efforts to put other young ladies in... Um, in front of him, mm. he's having none of it. Yes, I, I like as well the fact that, I, unlike maybe a younger man, this this horrible setback didn't um, didn't seem to make him say, "No, okay, women will never be for me again. I'm gonna be a bachelor for, forever." And he doesn't get silly. Well, not silly about it, but. I don't know. He feel, it feels like no. he acts quite, quite proportionately to to what's happened. He, you know, yeah. Exactly. I mean, he's not like still wearing hmm. black or anything, is he? He's not. He's not. He's not still in mourning. Yeah. He's just never found 
anybody else mm. um, that he could, um, like, yeah, he could feel he could love. Yes. Um, and it, so it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's quietly tragic, isn't it? Without being um, too, yeah, overdramatic. Yeah. I, I don't think I find a situation tragic now. There was obviously a lot of sadness in the past. Um, but his sister, I think, when she obviously cares for him a great deal. And I think at one point she talks about how he um, he seems like he's sort of an older man in some ways. That he's kind of given up on that mm. that, that idea of, of falling in love and that, that kind of passion. And that makes her really sad. I think she cries mm. herself to sleep and it's quite a moving moment. Yeah. And how how do you feel about her reaction to him telling her that he's going to propose to Hester, Lady Hester Thiel? It, it's it's um she doesn't show a lot of self control, um and I think I think she's she sounds un, unreasonably harsh towards Hester, yeah. and uh, and and yeah. Uh, Thankfully, Sir Gareth obviously sees her in an entirely different light and does defend yeah. her a little bit. And uh, yeah, I guess no, you know, you, you, we, we went into this book knowing that Hester mm. is the is the heroine, and to hear a heroine spoken about like that is a yeah. bit. It feels it grates a bit, doesn't well, it? There are um, a couple of bits, and because she's so lovely, because yeah. we know Hester Hester's so lovely. Mm. I mean, there is a part as well where she's described as having a myopic gaze. And you think, yeah, you don't get many mm. hey heroines who <laughs> get that description. She's certainly not a conventional heroine, is she, in that way? No. Um, and she's not, you know, she's a very quiet heroine. She's not, she's not feisty at all, is she? No. And she's just very quiet and, um, and you know, the, the the word everybody basically uses towards her she's she's reliable that seems to be the best her family can say of her certainly yeah they seem to suggest she's very docile like they get a bit frustrated I think because mm. she can be a little um vague and floaty <laughs> um yeah but, but yeah she doesn't really put up any fight she just apart from refusing to marry Sir Gareth which seems to be her first act of rebellion really. She's. She, I think she's described as a very good, dutiful daughter. Yeah, it says here. So, except in her inability to attract eligible suitors to herself, Hester was the sort of daughter with whom the most exacting parent might have been pleased. She always did as she was told, never argued about it. She indulged neither in sulks nor in hysterics. And if she was unable to attract the right men, at least she'd never been known to encourage the wrong ones. She was a good sister too and could always be relied upon to take charge of her young nephews and nieces in times of crisis, or to entertain uncomplainingly the dullest man invited willy-nilly to a dinner party. So I think we get from that as well that she's actually quite put upon by yeah, her. Yeah, and so Gareth recognises that as well, doesn't he? Um, mm. I, firstly, we don't get enough of the word of the phrase willy-nilly in books. I very much approve of that. Yeah. And, and also... Um, there's a, a part where she's talking to her dad about um, this this proposal that's coming from Sir, Sir Gareth, and uh, she's not responding in the way that he anticipates her responding. He eyed her in uncertainty, feeling that in some strange way she was eluding him. She had always been an obedient, even a meek daughter, but he had several times suffered from the uncomfortable suspicion that behind the cloud of gentle compliance 
there existed a woman who was quite unknown to him. And interestingly, I think that's something that comes up later on as well with Sir, Ga- Sir Gareth, when it's only that through them being thrown together in this adventure that he actually feels like he gets to, to know her. So she's quite a mystery. Yeah, that's it. You know, yeah, you don't know what she's thinking. And I get the feeling when she's like with her family and she's perfectly compliant and will go along with whatever, you know, whatever they, they ask her to do. Mm. But um, she clearly has an opinion about her brother and her sister-in-law and her father um, as came, comes out later in the book, perhaps when, yeah. So I think, um, you know, she's still got um, all, the, and she and she obviously feels very deeply as well, doesn't she? Yeah. So um, she's got this, um, this unrequited at this point mm. love for Sir Gareth um, and she obviously feels that very deeply and you you can feel um, her uh, her sadness about that as well so yeah. she yeah um, I, I love the fact interesting character really she is she really is and I love the fact that um the point that I think we all realize that she loves him is when there's just one line and then the end of the chapter that says that when she heard that he was coming to uh, propose to her, she cried herself to sleep. And then immediately, as a reader, yeah. you say, oh, she loves him. Mm. I see, I see. Yeah. And I think she does say something to her father, saying, oh, no, she she has been in love, or she is. Mm. Th- there is somebody else she loves, isn't there? That There's that little reference. And then you go, oh, she cried herself to sleep. And you say, okay, so we know what's going on here. Yeah, we we know these plot lines like the back of our hands. We know what's going on. Yeah, exactly. Um, there is one line in there that I really, really love about Lady Hester Thiel. And um, so Sir Gareth is teasing her about taking one of... So I think originally when her father says that he's going to come to with an offer, she thinks that he means offering for one of her pups. And uh, and he, she, he, he mentions that to Sir Gareth and he teases her about it. And there's a line that says, the fugitive smile lit her eyes. And I think that's so beautiful, this this sense that there is some mm. happiness, some spirit in there, but it's sort of in hiding at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Like and she does have some great lines. Mm. Like, so towards the, so um, when she's called to come, um, come to Sir Gareth's aid mm. when... Uh, Lily and Amanda end up shooting him, um, which I'm sure we'll get on to. But, Who? Um, Hildebrand, right? The way she just... Hildebrand. What did I say? Ninian. Ninian's somebody else in another book, isn't he? Sorry, Hildebrand. Um, she sort of... The way she describes the incident is sort of, oh, what a careless boy. So, so careless of him <laughs> <Yeah>. to shoot. <laughs> Do you know what? I love that bit. She has like this, this unusual reaction to lots of things that's always really funny. She just seems to see the world yeah. slightly askew. That's right, and it's never overly dramatic. Yeah, um, it's just this sort of yeah. Sort of... I, I was thinking about oh, she's good. She is good. She is good. I, and I was thinking about how um, her and Sir Gareth change a little bit. I mean, this, this isn't really a story where we see much character development, but I think with Sir Gareth, you get to see him coming to grips with this adventure that's been thrust on him, and obviously Amanda is telling these lies left, right, and centre. Absolutely tearing his, his character to shreds but he kind of ends up fighting back doesn't he and um he gets to grips with lying i think there's a beautiful moment where he mm. he paints mr thiel as the dancing master 
And he, you get the sense that he yeah. is enjoying it. Like there is something about it that he, he quite enjoys. And then with Hester, you see her confidence grow when she gets to escape mm. her family. Because I think at the mo- at the beginning, obviously we haven't really spoken about Amanda yet, but Amanda's in the scene and Amanda wants to marry her soldier, Neil. And uh, Lady Hester straight away sort of sees something in Amanda that says, yeah, actually that would work. Like she would be a good soldier's wife mm. and she has the majority to carry it off, I think. And Sir Gareth, I think, on two occasions says, no, 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 she needs more time. And Hester kind of meekly bows down to that in a way. It's like, oh, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure you're right. But by the end of it, she she says, I think yeah. she says to Neil, go and take her and marry her. Like, you just need to go and do this. And there's there's that sense that she's yeah. got that confidence now. Yeah. And she, yeah, she's, she doesn't, yeah, that's absolutely right. She's, she's just, she's always been sort of wise, but then she doesn't have the confidence to... Um, yeah, to sort of see that through. And that first proposal, so, mm. so, so, um, so, so Gareth turns up at her house mm. with Amanda. Now she doesn't. Um, her family think that Amanda's. Um, what's the word? Light skirt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, uh, uh, an unvirtuous female, maybe, mm. um, and that Sir Gareth is born, and she doesn't believe that, mm. but she does. Um, she sees in Amanda a bit of Clarissa, doesn't yeah. she? And and yeah, and and it's so. She, and she, I don't think she knows at that point how Sir Gareth feels about Amanda, but she obviously is worried. Yeah that he does he is going to fall in love with her even if he isn't at that point in love with yes her. because her sister-in-law says something along the lines of um I, I, she says something like oh he's not in love with her i think and and hester says not yet not yet so she yeah. obviously thinks that's that's yeah. the way it's going yeah i think um and that first proposal as well so um he he is all he is offering her mm. is um a marriage of convenience so he says he, he he respects her and all of that but he he very much offers her this marriage of convenience and he goes through all the things that he can give her but in a way he's saying like everything he's saying is wrong because of her feelings yeah towards yeah. him so you know she says your situation's not happy um all this and, and there's, there's this interesting bit so um yeah so he's saying you will be at no one's beck and call you'll be your own mistress with a husband who i promise you would not make any unreasonable demands of you you may be sure that i should always attend to your wishes and hold you in respect as well as affection would that not mean a happier life than the one you now lead her face was very white. She pulled her hand away, saying in a stifled voice, No, anguish. Mm. This seems so strange a thing for her to have said that he thought he could not have heard her right. I beg your pardon, he said blankly. She had moved away from him in some agitation and said now, with her back turned to him, I didn't mean that. I Don't heed it. I say such foolish things. Play Pray forgive me. I am so deeply grateful to you. Your wife will be the happiest of females, unless she is a monster. And I do hope you won't marry a monster. If only I could find my handkerchief. And it's like, well, he's saying all these things to her yeah. about how, you know, this um, 
how we could take away from that life but of course for her to be married to somebody who doesn't feel the same way as her is is anguish and um I really feel for her at that point there's um there's interesting a a moment after that where Mr Thiel and the sister-in-law I think Lady Widmore like almost skirt around the truth so um Mm. you know what Almeria interrupted Mr Thiel a look of profound concentration on his florid countenance I believe she has a tondre for him. Lady Widmore stared at him in contempt and suspicion. I suppose you're top-heavy, she remarked. Not for the first time, Mr Thiel wondered what to possess his nephew to marry this coarse-tongued and unattractive female. No, I am not, he said shortly. Oh, beg pardon. But what made you say such a daffish thing if it wasn't brandy? It ain't daffish, but I dare say it may seem so to you. There isn't one of you here who can see what's dashed well under your noses. It occurred to me when I saw Hester look at Ludlow. I swear she has never given the least sign of such a thing, she said incredulously. What the deuce can you possibly mean? Just a certain look in her eye, said Mr Thiel knowledgeably. No use asking me to explain it, because I can't. But I'd lay you odds she'd have, she'd have had him if he hadn't walked in with that little ladybird on his arm. So they're, they're kind of close to the truth. Amanda walking in isn't the problem. Yeah. But he does recognise that, that love there. Yeah. I do, yeah, like... Um, Mr. Theo is he's an awful, awful person, yeah. but quite a, a little bit, more, maybe a, a slightly more insightful than the rest of his family. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think he's very good at um, spotting connections and opportunities, yeah. perhaps with people and relationships. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Yeah. In a rather cynical way. Yeah. Um, mm. but, but yeah, it's quite a painful scene, isn't it? You know, Gareth proposing to Hester, mm. and she obviously loves him, but can't say can't say yes. And then he's yeah. especially lovely in in warning off Lady Widmore from scolding Hester into accepting. Because I think he says to Hester at one point, like, I, I feel like this conversation is going to get you into trouble. Is there anything I can do to stop you from getting mm. nagged by your family? And it's that kind of level of consideration that just makes you think, oh, he's a good one. Yeah. Um, and then, as you say, like, so, and then there's, you know, there's a bit of a break where, uh, you know, um, where he has to chase o- over the country. For- yeah. Everyone goes herring about the countryside for a bit. Yeah, yeah, and then she gets called to his bedside, and, and and they sort of get thrown together, and he starts to see her differently, yeah. and she builds confidence because she's away from her yeah. family, and and I think more more importantly, she, um, so I, this the, the comparison between Amanda mm. and. Hester is interesting isn't it because Amanda represents Clarissa in a way doesn't yeah. she so that sort of impetuous headstrong yeah. um personality and then there's Hester who's stayed and, and fairly sensible and quiet yeah. and unconfident and then um and that comparison I think the fact that he doesn't love Amanda and she can see mm. that it's almost like they're being compared and he's chosen Hester then He's chosen Hester over a, a, a Clarissa yeah. um, option. Got for the more mature choice. But I think that's quite an interesting thing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Because he's grown up and he wants something different now. Yeah. And actually, maybe if he had married Clarissa, it wouldn't have been a perfectly happy marriage because she was quite headstrong and yeah. um, she would have maybe been difficult. Um, yeah. He's clever enough to know that. I almost feel like when he's feeling sad about the past, it's almost like he's sad on her behalf for not getting to have a future not necessarily totally yeah. about their lost future together but um 
there's a there's a point in so bef- um, when Hildebrand shoots Gareth um, and they get him to the inn and uh, he has to go off to get Hester to come and help with the nursing and uh, he kind of blurts out to Lady Hester that he shot Sir Gareth and she goes pale and it looks and uh, he's trying to convince her to go with him and it it's it feels really strange because I think like like you say she's unlike other heroines in that she doesn't just go I'll be there in a second at first she says oh no no I can't I can't go so here's a passage um oh if only I could come she said in an anguished tone she got up quickly and began to walk her up out the room you see it isn't possible my father has gone to Brighton but there is still my brother and his wife and the servants again she stopped but this time it was though an idea had occurred to her Hildebrand watched her anxiously. Suddenly, her myopic gaze focused on his face, and she smiled. Dear me, what a very poor creature I must seem to you. You see, I've never been in the habit of doing anything at all out of the way, so you must forgive me for not immediately thinking that I could. I dare say nothing could be easier. After all, Amanda contrived to escape from her home without the least difficulty, and I expect she was much more closely watched than I am. Let me consider a little. He waited in pent-up silence, venturing after a few moments to say... I have a chase waiting outside, if if you feel that you could come with me, ma'am. Have you? Oh, well. That makes everything perfectly simple, she said, her worried frown lightening. So I, li- I like that. She's just not used to <laughs> rebelling in any way. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's never done anything like this before, like gone away without her family knowing yeah. where she is. So it wouldn't have... It, it's not going to be... A, oh, no, I'll come right away, because she's not... And she, and her lack of confidence mm. as well of of, be, of um in herself mm. and yeah so it does make sense that she would um, feel like that but you're right it is different from other yeah. other heroines and then um and certainly not wouldn't be Amanda's reaction who wouldn't you think twice about doing oh, it no not at all um but then yeah Lady Hester arrives and uh, she goes to the inn and she pretends to be his sister I think and she's like lovingly smoothing back the curls from his brow as he's unconscious in the bed and it's all very mm. sweet and he wakes up and takes offense at her wearing a lace cap love that <laughs> yeah but even then that when he first when she first sees him and, and she he's sort of in this in a fever mm. isn't he and he's um raving a little bit and he says oh don't something mm. about um can't let her get away or or something like that you won't escape me again yeah yeah that's right and 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 she um she really feels that um mm. but it, it, you know it is only because he's sort of raving and he's um that, yeah. that's what he's been thought that's what he's been thinking about for the past week or whatever um but again it's like that or oh, you could argue he's talking about um, hester there that you know she turned down one proposal this might be a bit of a stretch from not sure yeah but he's certainly yeah it, he's certainly not in love with amanda at any point during no no he sees her as a child doesn't he yeah. but then there's this there's yeah. that heartbreaking moment where amanda goes up to see sir gareth when he's feeling a bit better oh, and yeah. uh i think hester gives him 20 minutes and she's imagining that it's like this big loving scene where they're confessing their love for each other or whatever and she walks in kind of prepared to deal with it and Amanda's got her arm flung around Sir Gareth and her head in his shoulder or something and uh and her heart breaks and she there's a line where it says uh, mm. she would have happily immolated herself to averted Gareth's hurt at being rejected by Amanda oh that was it wasn't it she didn't she did she, she knew that Amanda only really had eyes for Neil 
but she thought Gareth was going to have his heart broken. Yes. By Amanda's rejection. Yes. And she would have happily immolated herself to have averted Gareth being hurt. But luckily, he then looks up at her in a sort of, oh my God, this teenage girl is just crying all over me. Please, please get me out of this situation. And she knows that nothing's going on there. We're all good. So then the second proposal then, Mm. um, which isn't really a proposal, it's sort of, at this point, it feels like they both know that things have changed and yeah, they sort of know they're in love love with each other Mm. at the very end. Um, oh, hold on. Before we skip to the very end, though. Oh, so go on, so. Yeah. There's, um, well, firstly, they have this lovely idyllic time. It's one of those kind of uh, these summer, golden summer days that last forever and they're sitting out in the orchard and everyone's kind of come to an understanding, like the, the two kids, Hildebrand and Amanda, are getting on okay and, you know, Hester's relaxed and, and blossoming away from her family and Gareth's just enjoying being with her. And that, that's a lovely moment. Um, and then onto the scene, come crashing. Uh, Hester's brother, the family vicar. Um, yeah. And, and both sort of, well, and that's after Neil's arrived on the scene as well. Basically, everyone yeah. demands that um, Sir Gareth marry someone, which feels quite quite a lot to deal with in his current state so yeah neil arrives first it's quite a good climax isn't it because everyone then comes together yes. and so neil arrives and then the t- those two arrive and yeah. then amanda's grandfather all arrive basically at the same time and then there's a big hullabaloo and everyone's demanding that um sir gareth yeah. marries amanda or hester <laughs> yes well luckily um Neil is disposed of quite quickly. I think uh, Gareth is able to explain that nothing happened between him and Amanda, who's looking out for her. Um, and so, you know, they're all happy. That little triangle between uh, Amanda, her grandfather, and Neil seems to be largely resolved, largely because they reassure um, Amanda's grandfather that uh, that Neil is going to be a marshal at some point because he's, he's such a good soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, so Hester's brother and the family vicar, uh, Mr. Whiteleaf, arrive. Um, and Mr. Whiteleaf has had um, feelings, hasn't he, for Hester? Yeah. Um, so, Lord Widmore says, I cannot do other than censure the means you have thought proper to employ to induce my sister to give you another answer than the one you received from her not so long ago. But no other course is open to me than to tell her that she has no choice but to become your wife. Kendall, said Sir Gareth, be so good as to act as my deputy and kick Widmore out. Try if you can find a midden. Yes, pray do, said Lady Hester cordially. With all the pleasure on earth, said the captain, stepping forward in a purposeful fashion. Hold, commanded Mr Whiteleaf, in such throbbing and portentous accents that every eye turned towards him. His lordship is mistaken. One other choice lies open to Lady Hester, which I dare to think must be preferable to her than to be linked to a fashionable frivol. Lady Hester, I offer you the protection of my name. Two middens, said Sir Gareth savagely. No, because I'm persuaded he means it very kindly, intervened Hester. I'm so much obliged to you, Mr Whiteleaf, but it is quite unnecessary for anyone to offer me the protection of their names, because Widmore is talking nonsense, as he very well knows, and I shall be still more obliged to you if you will take him away. 
You do not mean to remain here, exclaimed the chaplain in horror. She did not answer, for she was a little agitated. It was Hildebrand who said hotly, She didn't scruple to do so, because I shan't leave Uncle Gary, and I will take very good care of her, I assure you. That is to say I should, if he was the sort of person you think, but he is not. Uncle Gary, let me throw him out. So, so yeah, they're trying to find heaps of midden to uh, throw these people into. The, the interlopers <laughs> on their lovely idyllic scene. Yeah. And, you know, she's spent that time away from her family mm. building up her confidence and you can tell as soon as they come back on the scene she like tenses up again doesn't she and yeah and and he there's a lovely moment where sir gareth sort of says to she he, he can feel her tense yeah. up and she said you know it's it's only word it's only words and she said oh, well and she said well i can't i, I don't like yeah. raised voices i don't like people shouting at each other mm. she can't stand that kind of thing which is she's probably spending she spent most of her life trying to mm. avoid that kind of scene mm. Um, which is probably why she's so quiet and biddable. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, they and you get this, well, he can protect her from that. So she, it's just this lovely thought that she's going to be away from these people and able to um, uh, blossom again. Yes, that is, that is nice. Um, and then the final scene where they come to this mm. agreement that you're mentioning, um, it's just them at this point. It's just Hester and... Uh, Gareth yeah. I believe and he says yeah. I meant what I said you know I don't think myself bound to offer you the protection of my name did you ever listen to so much fustian I swear I never did because the suggestion that I, may, that I have compromised you is as ludicrous as it is nauseating of course it is don't let us talk about it it was so stupid we will never mention it again if you'll give me your assurance that you have no qualms look at me she obeyed with a tiny smile Gareth it is too foolish how can you ask me such a question? I couldn't bear to think, love, that you might consent to marry me for such a reason as that, he said quietly. No, she answered. Or I, that you might ask me for such a reason as that. You may be very sure I would not. This is not the first time I've asked you to marry me, Hester. Not the first time, but this is different, I think, she said shyly. Quite different. When I asked you at Brancaster, I held you in affection and esteem, but I believed I could never be in love again. I was wrong. Will you marry me, my dear, and last love? She took his face between her hands and looked into his eyes. A sigh, as though she was rid of a burden, escaped her. Yes, Gareth, she said. Oh, yes, indeed I will. I think that's lovely. And it's such a, that's like quite a confident oh, move, like so holding lovely. his face in her hands as well. That's yeah. lovely. Yeah. I love that there's, there's no mm. surprise in that at all is that I, I love the fact that um she's really she's really confident with it that she um there's no surprise mm. in his proposal um to her and she's not surprised that he is saying that she he is in love with her she sort of it mm. she accepts it and um she's confident in that in those in yeah that feeling it's, it's a little unexpected isn't it because you might expect her because she hasn't mm. been that confident throughout the whole book to be a bit, um, you know, you know, are you sure sort of thing? But she's not at all. She's yeah. like, no. I, the, I am. the thing is, I suppose, he is um, the most likable and lovable man out there. She's already in love with him. He probably didn't have to. I, I'm sure. Yeah, he just did a good job of convincing her of his love. She's gorgeous. Yeah. Um, 
So other than that, I don't. there's not a huge amount to talk about in this book, I don't think. We could talk a little bit about Amanda. Yeah, I think we should. She's a big part of this book, isn't she? I mean, I think she is there to, yeah, sort of be that... The foil. Um, Clarissa character that sort of, th- yeah, throw, yeah, exactly, to the, and then the, the throw mm. that, that throws them together. Um, but she's, you know, she's quite a likeable character. She's very, she's very young, yeah. isn't she? And she's um, a bit immature, but 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 quite capable. It's quite, she's quite impressively capable, I think. I think at some point someone says that she is um, at once childish and strangely mature. And I, I can see that. And I, there were times yeah. in it where I found her absolutely infuriating. Like her, the level of her naivety was frustrating and her kind mm. of lack of thought or care for the people she was dragging into this plot. But then when you see, when Gareth is shot and she sort of goes into, mm. you know, soldier's daughter, soldier's fiance mode and sort of really knuckles down and does the hard work and basically saves Sir Gareth's life and in that moment realises the consequences of some of her behaviour, I, I, I grow to like her a lot more. And there is something admirable about the fact that she knows what yeah. she wants, she knows what's going to make her happy and she will do what it takes to get it. Yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about this. Um, there's a couple of bits I'm not sure how I feel about. So um, the way that Neil talks about her, so it's very much like, oh, she doesn't mm. play off these tricks with me i think it's 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 easy to forget throughout this book she's 17 isn't she 16 but as she says um there's a there's a reference to winita smith in there so i think there's a point where she says oh there's someone else in the army who's got an even younger wife (laughs) and you're thinking oh don't use that as an example yeah yeah so Mm. she's very young and it is you know she's neil says something in the end basically it says to the general you know you don't know how to handle her I do she doesn't play off her tricks with me which you know um she probably is better off with him but he is aware of her immaturity and of course she's immature she's yeah you know she's 16 it's very paternal um and so there's a little bit Mm. yeah yes exactly Mm. and condescending I think that's one of the maybe that's one of the problems we don't get a lot of time with Neil and he just comes across as a very staid solid kind of guy that doesn't really have much in the way of humor perhaps um and i guess that you you sort of need that for us to realize that he is he is different amanda has not had her head turned by a pretty face she genuinely loves him as he is just quite a straightforward soldier um but it doesn't make him the most compelling character perhaps no and uh, yeah i don't know he's not yeah, he's not an unlikable character. He, j- it, I, I just, I'm not sure I like. Um, yeah, that, I get that element. Yeah, you know who is an unlikable character? Well, Lady Widmore. Um, okay, no, no, she is. Uh, yeah, I was going to go with Mr. Fabian Thiel. Oh my goodness! Oof. Yeah, well, the two of them mm. together, the two of them together, they're having that conversation about yeah. Amanda. Like, again, they're having this conversation. Whatever they think of her, they're having this conversation about a 16-year-old girl basically saying, oh, no, yeah, you take Mm, her. mm. And then it is horrible. I think there's a line early on where they talk about um, a young housemaid being sent up to ready Mr. Thiel's room. um, And he obviously tries to assault her. And she's in hysterics about it, really upset. And they box her ears to to calm her down. I I don't know how that Mm. works. but um, So that was horrible. 
And then, yeah, it says all sorts of horrible things about sort of liking Amanda's um, youth and inexperience and this idea that he might be able to fob off sort of cheaper trinkets than his current mistress is demanding. So he's not even planning on, you know, good financial recompense. Because in a way, there's a bit of a... He's sort of portrayed... He's not portrayed Mm. well, but um, there is a a comedic element to him, isn't he? He's he's a bit of a figure of fun and he's a bit... He's sort of a little bit of comic relief, but he's actually just a really... He's a dirty old man. Yeah, it's almost like there's a sense that he's, oh, you know, that that creepy uncle. Mm. Like, yeah, that's just... Every family's got one kind of thing, which just isn't true, which is weird. But yeah, like then there's a point, I think, where she... Amanda's in the carriage with him and she was saying that while she in the company of others found him faintly ridiculous actually she began to be quite scared of him while he was kind of pouring at her in the carriage but then we get to the bit where she she slips away from him and he's this um larger chap because obviously hey he's got to fit in a little bit of fat shaming somewhere or other um and he's getting his sweat on sort of walking up and down this hot country lane trying to find her and you sort of I think that's meant to be his comeuppance and it just doesn't really feel like enough for me. No, no. I mean, there is a mark- remarkable lack of concern about Amanda's welfare from quite a few quarters, yeah. really. Like, even Mrs. Weatherby, when she's talking, when she's sort of finding out what Sir Gareth is up to, and she... Sorry, remind me who Mrs. Weatherby is again. So it's his sister. Gotcha. So Gareth's sister. Trixie. Trixie, mm-hmm. yeah. And she and she sort of so she she hears a story about um him chasing this amanda mm. a, a, around around the country and she sort of says um and she sort of knows this and, and i think she makes a comment like oh she couldn't imagine anyone not she she knows that amanda's tried to get away from him mm. and he's chased after her mm. and she makes a comment that she couldn't imagine anybody not um, not finding Sir Gareth attractive, like it's a yeah. bit like so. She knows a young lady is trying to get away from <laughs> from mm. him, and she thinks that's okay. But I, yeah, there's a few bits. It's like, well, really, she's you know a young, a, you know a very young girl yeah. who is sort of by herself in the you know in the country, and it's um, that's all a bit unpleasant. Well, thank God for the Gareth Ludlows of this world. Well, exactly. We know it's not true, so it's okay. Mm. But it's. I, yeah. I like the fact that he felt he felt honour bound to protect this young girl, and he, he did a decent job of yes. it. Yes, yes, he definitely, he definitely had the best mm. of intentions, and so did Hester. Yeah, of course she did. We love Hester. Okay, shall we wrap it up there? I think so. Yeah. So, Sue, what are we going to read next? Cotillion! Cotillion. <gasps> We've got to it. So excited. <laughs> We've got to it eventually. <laughs> I know. I, this is the longest period I've ever gone without reading Cotillion, because I usually would read it every six <laughs> months or something. But I haven't read it since we started doing this podcast, which was nearly four years ago now. And I yeah. miss it. I miss it. I miss it. So we'll have a lot to say about this, won't we? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it could be a two-parter. Who knows? Both of our... Well, it's definitely in the top three for me. Firm favourite. Might be my favourite. Number one slot all the way for me. Um, Is it definitely, without a doubt? Yeah. I mean, there was a pause, wasn't there, before I answered that? But, <laughs> but um, 
<laughs> but yes um brilliant okay so thanks again for listening we really appreciate having you with us um take care uh this is not going to come out before christmas so i'm not going to wish you a happy christmas we hope you've had a lovely christmas and merry january take care everyone Bye-bye. bye bye bye